Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Two Point Podcast. And we're our conversion rate is always 100%. I'm Craig, and I'm joined by Nate. Hey, guys. And we're going to be talking some recaps from the Week 12 games, going over each one, uh, talking about kind of what we thought ha- would happen, what did happen, and the overall scope of the game, as well as some any notable injuries along the way. And we're going to start off with the Thanksgiving games. So first off, we got the Houston Texans, Detroit Lions, 41-25. to And honestly, this game pretty much it came down to the defense that played better. And that in this case, it was the Texans' defense. They did get three turnovers, one of which they scored a touchdown on. Pretty good play by J.J. Watt. Agreed. <laughs> Detroit wasn't honestly that bad on offense. Their defense was just bad. Yeah, they had 388 total yards of total offense. I mean, they moved the ball rather efficiently considering Stafford really had no one to throw to, and they had no Swift either, so they had to rely on Adrian Peterson. Old man. Yeah, he had, what was I think by halftime, I think I had messaged you or something, and he had minus two yards rushing with two touchdowns going into halftime. Obviously, he picked up his stats later in the second half, but he just, yeah, he got a bunch of, like, close-up touchdowns, which was good for him, of course, but Stafford got him there. And Deshaun Watson was super efficient. I think it was like seven, 17 out of 25, four touchdowns. And Will Fuller had a great day once again. He scored twice. As a Texans fan, it makes me sad. To, it's sad to, like, it's a catch-22 because, like, you're happy that he's doing well, but you're sad that he's doing well because there's no way in heck they're going to be able to afford him. Yeah, I, that's got to hurt. I can understand that for sure. No, that offense actually looked really good, like we thought they were going to be, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Lions defense isn't obviously top tier by any means. I mean, Watson was Watson. He's had two really good weeks back-to-back. Yep, and then on the defensive side, Tyrell Adams, he's been stepping into that middle linebacker for Denardrick McKinney. He, had, he ended up having 17 tackles in this game and two forced fumbles. So he played his hat off, uh, kind of makes up for Zach Cunningham, who always gets the love from the announcers, but actually isn't that good when you watch him play football. It's funny listening to your age every time they do it too, because I agree with your assessment 100% on that. <laughs> like he's like, oh, he leads the league in tackles. I'm like, yeah, he's, he leads the league in hitting a guy and getting pushed back four yards and getting run over. Yeah, like he's he's just like the breaking system essentially. His job is just to take some damage. Always gets running past that guy. <laughs> it's true. The next game we had also on Thanksgiving was – Washington football team beat the Dallas Cowboys 41-16. to Honestly, this game was a little bit closer than probably the end score looks like, but it just kind of got away at the end there for the Cowboys. Antonio Gibson had three rushing touchdowns. Had a good day for him. The defense stepped up when they needed to. On the Cowboys' side, a lot of it, like we said, was going to come down to the offensive line, but they lost uh, Martin, Zach Martin, who was playing right tackle. I think it was Cam Fleming that was playing left tackle. They both exited the game early on, and then the backups had to come in once again. If you guys listen to Skip Bayless rant about this, um, he is very biased on this subject. Extremely. <laughs> but he's not wrong, to well, be honest with you. We lost because we had to put two undrafted free agents in. Well, maybe you should have got better depth on your team. Yeah, right. And if you remember correctly, Dallas actually spent a lot of the first two rounds of draft picks several years in a row just to kind of beef up that offensive line. So they had a lot of depth several years back. Obviously, it's changed now, but still, I agree with you. You got guys getting older and guys retiring, but yep, yeah. things always change. McCarthy, Mike McCarthy uh, made some boneheaded calls in this one, uh, going for it on fourth and one, throwing the ball after or after the play. Then Dalton Schultz got a 15-yard penalty. 
stupid play by him. And then there was that uh, pretty awful fake punt, too, which if you listen to McCarthy after the game, he said, oh, I think it was still a good call. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, McCarthy, like, obviously being a Packer fan for pretty much my entire existence in my life, like, he makes, like, such random call, like, random play calls that just sometimes just don't make any sense. Like, he can be an offensive-minded genius, and I I say that term very loosely, but you got to give Washington defense credit because they kind of knew how McCarthy makes uh, calls plays. They held uh, the Cowboys offense to four for 13 on third down and one for four on fourth downs, and McCarthy, he's just kind of predictable in a way of how he makes those play selections. There were several times when it was like fourth and one, fourth and two. And granted at the time, and still we have Aaron Rodgers, but he would just make questionable pass plays or questionable calls. It had allowed for a lot of frustration for our offense at Green Bay. So I can only imagine what, you know, injuries and obviously lack of production has done from their premier players there. Yeah. I know, like you said, you thought Zeke would have a bad game too, but he only ran the ball with him 10 times. I know he did fumble once. He's got a little bit of problems this year fumbling for whatever reason. You got a running back like that with a backup quarterback. You need to at least try to run the ball 20 times, especially when it was as close of a game as it was early on. Hey, I completely agree with you 100%. Like, I feel like they abandoned the run in the second half just because they were trying to play catch up. But until like halfway through the third quarter, this game was actually a lot closer than it looked like. Cowboys were just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And usually Zeke has really good backup with Pollard that obviously helped shoulder that load. But he only even had four touches for 12 yards on this game. So that offense just really had issues with that Washington defense. So like I said, that Washington defense really stepped up for him yesterday and kind of limited the uh, the plays by their premier players. Yeah. And then we got the next game, which was Las Vegas Raiders and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons ended up winning 43-6. to This was not one we saw coming? No, not even a little bit. Granted, we couldn't um, anticipate the amount of turnovers that Las Vegas had, but still yeah. not even close. The Raiders had four turnovers. If you were one of them people that streamed Derek Carr in fantasy this week, uh, myself included, you're not too proud of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really rough. Josh Jacobs, he wasn't good when he was in. I know he was battling a hip injury throughout the week, but then he ate. I guess he hurt his ankle as well now. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude's just injury prone. He can be all right when he plays. I'm just – I'm not a Josh Jacobs fan to start with. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, Booker's one of my guys on my fantasy team for our Dynasty League, and it's for that reason because Jacobs is always hurt. He does have good games, but this wasn't one of them. Yeah, He's just not, like – People talk about him as being such a good running back, but he's not like that really good level running back. I'm not even gonna say elite. He's not even that really. He's not even a really good level running back. I think he's an above average running back, but he's not somebody you want to build your offense around for the next four years. I was just gonna say, like he's kind of like Eddie Lacy in a way, like someone that could support good quality quarterback play. So I, I was, I agree with you. Honestly, them not being able to run the ball was probably the biggest thing for them in this game. Because the Raiders, that's how they want to play. They want to establish the run first and then pass off of that. So when you take the first thing away, then you kind of hurt yourself. That's true. And they were kind of playing catch up at that point, uh, too, kind of going into the second half and such. So, But the only thing that I – my issue with the Ra- Raiders' defense is some that we discussed yesterday, which was their secondary, and just how the Chiefs were able to kind of pick that defense apart. Matt Ryan didn't have a lot of, like, stellar – stats for the past game but they did enough to obviously maintain a lead here and then obviously win the game eventually yeah i think the big thing for the falcons was their defense stepped up they obviously got the turnovers they got five sacks which i'm just pretty sure is the most they've had in a single game this year which is really good for them dante fowler came back 
he only played on about 25% of snaps, but he's by far their best pass rusher. And then they were able to run the ball on offense a little bit better. I know Todd Gurley was out, but they at least committed to it. So part of that might have been because they were winning in the game. Yep. Yeah, just like you said, like if you commit to the run, it opens up that play game, uh, play action, and then obviously the passing game itself. So, yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of nice to see them still committed to to trying to stick it out, even with backups. It was good. It was a good win for them. I believe they're 4-1 and one or 4-2 and two since Raheem Morris took over as the interim head coach. So he's definitely going to be a quality candidate for that job or a different one at least. And he's got previous head coaching experience at least. Yeah, good for him. It's fantastic. They've been playing a lot better the last few weeks. So it's obviously a testament to coaching down there. Yep. And the next one we got is the Los Angeles Chargers, Buffalo Bills. The Bills ended up winning 27-17. to 17. This was a little bit of an interesting game, I guess you could say. Neither team played great, honestly. Yeah, but they're kind of subpar. Average. Yeah, Justin Herbert was okay. He had over 300 yards again, but he threw the ball, I believe, 55 times. Austin Eckler returned to the lineup. He was okay running the ball, not the greatest. He was more involved out of the backfield. Nice to see him back. Obviously, he came back from a pretty bad hamstring injury. So props to him. If you guys are in fantasy, you can roll him out going forward. Uh, Joey Bosa had a nice game, three sacks, so nice to see him back on the defense. Uh, I know he's been back maybe one or two weeks before this as well. Then on Buffalo's side, you, you got to see little Cole Beasley throw a touchdown. It was sweet. It's a nice little trick play by their hands. <laughs> he barely got it. Dude. Yeah, I know. I was impressed. Take some arm strength. <laughs> um, their running game was better in this game, honestly. Josh Allen really didn't have that good a day. The big note I had for both teams was both these teams' star wide receivers were held in check. Stephon Diggs and Keenan Allen. Allen just had the touchdown, but otherwise, both of them didn't do too much otherwise. So hats off to, you know, Tredavious White. And I believe Chris Harris was probably on Stephon Diggs since uh, Casey Hayward was out. Yeah. For me, I thought, like, the Bills' offense, they were trying to just stay, like, more balanced this week. Because as you see, they had 20 touches uh, just between Singletary and Moss. They're, the Bills' offense was 170 yards of passing and 172 of rushing, but they obviously had three turnovers, so there was some sloppy play that was there. But you're right, the, the top wide receivers for the Bills were definitely held in check. It was kind of nice to see Singletary kind of, I don't want to say bust out, but he obviously did a lot better this week. For me, the game, though, was actually on the San Diego side with Eckler. I thought he looked actually really well yesterday. Uh, Hunter Henry obviously took his fair share of 67 yards on seven completions, but definitely having Joey Bosa back into that uh, on that defensive line really uh, kind of pressurized Josh Allen a little bit, and I feel like that's the reason why they were a lot more balanced yesterday. Uh, so the next game we got is the New York Giants and Cincinnati Bengals. The Giants end up winning 19-17. to 17. This game was a little bit closer than we expected, mm-hmm. but part of that was because Cincinnati took a kick return back for a touchdown, so 103 yards, longest play in Bengals history. Uh, so that's something cool. Uh, Brandon Allen, he looked like a backup quarterback. He's probably better than I did expect. But Bengals didn't look too good overall. The one other note I have for them is Drew Sample, the tight end, looked a little bit more involved with Allen at quarterback. You believe he saw five targets caught four of them. Then on the Giants' side, you obviously had Daniel Jones. We thought he could have a good week. Uh, he ended up leaving this game with a hamstring injury and then was replaced by Colt McCoy. We'll have to see if he plays next week. Otherwise, uh, we could be riding the Colt McCoy Express in 2020. Ooh. I don't want to call it a throwback, but <laughs> it kind of is. Hey, I didn't know we'd be saying that in 2020. Yeah, 
Then Wayne Gallman, he ran 24 times, I believe 94 yards and a touchdown. So he was decent on the ground, nothing spectacular, but, you know, he was facing a bad run defense. And then Evan Ingram, he had a solid day. As much as I hate on him, I'm at least able to call the games that he's going to have good days. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes it's okay to eat the words. It's, uh, we obviously want everyone to succeed, so good for him. For me, obviously, the only thing I really focused on in this game was the Bengals' offensive line. They didn't allow a sack, and they had, but they only had 155 total yards of offense. So, like you said, the only reason why they had production was because of the uh, the kickoff return. So, this game was essentially what we thought it was going to be. We just didn't think it was going to be this close. Mm-hmm. And actually, both these offensive lines aren't the best, and they both actually played pretty well in this game. Yeah, I, it might be a testament to how poor the defense is on the other side of the ball for each of them. But honestly. I think they just played better because if you look at how these offensive lines play against other teams, they don't allow this type of production, but these defenses, their offenses, excuse me, usually take some of the shoulder off for them. Like obviously if the Bengals at full strength, this defense plays a lot better than if they're on the, you know, on the field half the time. So I feel like injuries definitely help play that, but I think the offensive line as a whole definitely played better. Yeah. And I will say the Bengals offensive line has been a little bit better since they've gotten Quinn Spain and guard. Yeah. You know, upgrading one little piece can make a big difference. It's true, and it allows that chemistry to be maintained as well. Yep, and then we're going to move over to the next game. That was Tennessee Titans and Indianapolis Colts. The Titans ended up killing the Colts 45-26. to Obviously, this game wasn't even close. It was, I believe, 35-14 to at halftime. Uh, Derrick Henry had a crazy first half, 140 yards, three touchdowns in the first half alone. Uh, they slowed him down a little bit in the second half. He only had 38 yards in the second half, but, you know. He got his damage in there. A.J. Brown had a receiving touchdown, and apparently he took a kickoff return back for a touchdown. <laughs> I didn't really see that one, so must have been when I was paying attention because it was later on in the game. <laughs> then the Colts, on defense, they were pretty banged up. Bobby Okariki wasn't playing. DeForest Buckner got hurt. Somebody else got hurt as well, and then they just couldn't stop Derrick Henry after that point. Uh, Phillip Rivers looked like Phillip Rivers of last year where he's just throwing up medicine balls and – like, honestly, he should have had three interceptions in this game. One one actually hit borders for Tennessee right in the chest, and he dropped it. <laughs> but he got his revenge later. He got a he got another interception on a bad throw after that. But honestly, like, if you watch Philip Rivers play this game, he looked yeah, awful. Absolutely. Like, there was, a, there was a play where he throws a Trey Burton in triple coverage. Burton goes to catch the ball, and he just gets hit by three different guys <laughs> at once. Like, he just got sandwiched. And then the, he threw the ball behind Pittman Jr., and he just got crushed. Like, he's putting his players, like, in a position where they're going to get hurt. Yeah. Like, you and I talked crazy. about it a little bit yesterday, like, during the game. I stopped watching, I think, at right around halftime, I believe. And, yeah, I agree with you 100%. His, his play was going to end up getting somebody killed, essentially. He wasn't – he was leading into, like, linebacker coverage or straight into, like, a safety just standing there. And I don't think he did a really good job of kind of move the ball. I think he was just trying to force plays, but – it was the reason that, the obviously, the Chargers let him essentially walk in free agency this year. So, Yeah, there's not much anticipation on his throws. Like, I don't know if it's just because his arm strength is dead. I have no what. idea, to be honest with you. For me, it was just that, that Colts defense, obviously, not really stepping up. They allowed Derrick Henry to run all over them. So, I think that he was just trying to shoulder that load. But, yeah, the only way that they could have won this game is to slow down Derrick Henry. They didn't even do it. So, when Derrick Henry goes off on these weeks, it's really difficult on an offense to be productive. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, Jonathan Taylor was out with this game. He's on the COVID list, so that hurt a little bit. But he's one of their three running backs. But Jonathan Wilkins left the game for a little bit with, a, I believe, a rib or a hip injury. 
he later came back. So at one point they were pretty much just at Naheem Hines at running back. And yeah, he's had some pretty good games this year, but it's kind of hard to shoulder the load all by yourself, especially when you're a guy of his side, you know, a guy that played wide receiver in college. Yep. He's a bit smaller than a traditional running back. Usually they're a little bulkier to take some hits. Mm-hmm. Then the next game we had was a pretty good one, actually. It's Carolina and Minnesota. Yeah, this actually was a lot closer than we thought it was going to be. The Vikings ended up winning at the last second, 28-27. to 27. Mm-hmm. On the Vikings side, you had Justin Jefferson step up in the absence of Adam Thielen. Honestly, the Vikings had a lot of players step up in this game uh, on the receiving end. Jefferson was pretty good. He had two touchdowns. Uh, old B.C. Johnson, I believe, caught all seven of his targets. Chad Beebe, he scored the game-winning touchdown, kind of redeemed himself after he muffed that punt. So that was pretty good for him. Obviously, uh, his dad's a former Packer. <laughs> I can approve of that message. Definitely. It was on the uh, 96 Super Bowl team, actually, with Green Bay. Yeah, and then on Carolina's side, Teddy Bridgewater, he didn't look very good early on in this game. He missed a lot of throws. He He's just not the answer at quarterback that you need. He did make a throw that pretty much got DJ Moore hurt, so hopefully it's not a – it was towards the end of the game. But hopefully it's not a major injury. The Right now they say an ankle, but it could be an Achilles or something like that too. So we're just praying for the best for him. He's a very, very good young stud wide receiver. Once he finally gets a quarterback that can actually throw him the ball, this guy's going to be like the best wide receiver in football. But that's a whole other yeah, story. Yeah, that's definitely a conversation for the future for sure because he's definitely a talented individual. But right. Teddy, um, yeah, Bridgewater himself, he didn't really do a really good job yesterday just with his mechanics of the game and how he read the uh, defense. Minnesota's not the best at defense, but they can make plays when they need to. They get they got mm-hmm. after him a little bit, but I think it was uh, the Vikings' offense's production. Obviously, Cook was kind of held in check. Well, Cook was bad. I know that's what I'm saying. Like Kirk Cousins actually had a better day yesterday. He had through 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 for 307 yards and three touchdowns. So when you have that kind of production out of Kirk Cousins as a game manager, it can definitely force the uh, the other quarterback to obviously need to step up and play. And I think that, you know, with Kirk Cousins' play yesterday kind of exposed the fact that if you have to rely on Teddy Bridgewater's arm, the games are going to be a little bit more difficult to win. i got to give hats off to that Panthers defense. I mean, they had three tackles for losses. They forced several uh, – three fumbles, I believe. Uh, one was more of like a buff, I guess. And then they had two sacks. But in order for the Panthers to stay to this game, that I felt like that defense needed to step up. And I felt like Kirk kind of just picked him apart yesterday, uh, what Kirk can do when he's good. Um, but you're right, Jeffrey stepping up was really nice, and I think that that defense for the Panthers, though, kept this game close because Teddy Bridgewater was not the best with their offense yesterday. Yeah, and the Panthers' defense, they had two fumble recoveries for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Both were by Jeremy Chin, and they were actually on back-to-back plays, back-to-back offensive plays, obviously, at a kickoff in yep. between there. So hats off to him, great day for him. Without those two plays, this game probably wasn't yep, even take close. Out the it's 13-28 to 28 at that point. Yeah, probably it probably would have been thirteen to twenty one because yeah. then the Vikings wouldn't have needed that last For touchdown. Sure. But still, but like you're saying about Kirk Cousins, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Cousins got a lot of slack at the beginning of this year. I know he had the ten interceptions, but if you look at his last four, I think it's his last five games, he's he's got twelve touchdowns and only one interception. So when you let him play, he's been doing yep. pretty well. And I think like against the, I don't want to say the the bad defenses, but defenses that are on the bottom half of the spectrum, I guess you could say that could use some improvement. He actually does really good if you put the ball in his hands. It's just Cook's been playing astronomically, obviously flip-flopping with Derrick Henry every week for being the best running back in the NFL. Uh, when he has a bad week and you're allowed to have Kirk do what he needs to do, he can actually win some games for you. Mm-hmm. 
when you let him air the ball out when you're down, it's not the worst situation yeah. in the world. He's an above average quarterback, but he's not a good or elite quarterback. Yep. He's appropriately paid for his services. Just all his money's guaranteed, so he's a very smart man. Exactly. Honestly, out of all the quarterbacks, he's probably made the most and the most honestly his agent does a really good job of getting him his money. The most guaranteed yep, money. For sure. And then the next game we had was kind of an interesting one too as well. Probably not the prettiest game in the world to watch, honestly. Uh, and that's the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots. Patriots ended up winning 20-17. to 17. I have no idea how the Patriots scored 20 points in this game because they had less than 200 yards of offense. Cam Newton wasn't very good. 9 out of 18, two interceptions once again, only like 80-some yards passing. Uh, James White vultured two touchdowns. I thought he'd have a pretty good game if they were trailing in this game, but they were never really trailing. But those two touchdowns down near the goal line definitely helped him out. Tony Michelle came back in this game, but he only saw one play. So don't expect too much from him going forward. And then once again, Nikhil Harry is bad at football. <laughs> I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah, three targets, no catches. Uh, I believe he played like 50% of the snaps, but obviously, you know, you got Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird, two undrafted free, two guys that were undrafted originally that are playing ahead of you, and you're supposed to be this big, bad first-round player. Right. I mean, good for them, so, of course, but still, I agree with you. When you're picked that high, you need to produce – Yep. Then on Arizona's side, Kyler Murray in this offense was pretty stagnant. Obviously, a lot of that comes down to Kyler's shoulder being sore and him not running the ball quite as much because of that because they're trying to protect him. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a decent game, average yards per carry-wise, but he did end up scoring two touchdowns, so hats off to him. Bouncing back nicely in the second half of the year. Honestly, there's not too much else to say about this game. Uh, both defenses were all right. I felt like New England's defense has done better than previous weeks. You and I have had conversations about Cam's game in the past. He wasn't terrible in this game, but he wasn't good. I mean, obviously, only having 170 yards of total offense. So, I mean, what are you, you going to do? Yeah, you got to produce with what you got, and they obviously did it really well yesterday. A win's a win. I need to look, go back and watch this game a little bit more, too, and see how – because uh, out of Cam's, like, 84 yards, I believe it was, passing, 52 of them went to Jacoby Myers. So it's kind of it'd be kind of interesting to look, go back and look and see if the Cardinals just kind of tried to take Jacoby away, and then if Cam struggled after that point or what. You like know? Um, this was the game that I got to watch in the early uh, early slot yesterday, and uh, I felt like Cam was stuck in two to three step drops, which forced like quicker uh, quicker pass routes, and then them to rely uh, on that run game. And so I felt like the Cardinals defense they actually did a really good job, kind of frustrating the Patriots offense, but then again, that's the Patriots offense. So it's not really a stretch to kind of say that, but I felt like that was the reason that uh, Jacoby didn't get a lot of, uh, of the looks. Plus they were just really looking to shut him down. Um, but when you don't have, you know, a few seconds to even consider one or two options in your pass game, it definitely can make a lateral a little bit. Yeah. And he runs like a lot of slot and underneath routes, kind of like similar to what Edelman's done in the past. So against the Texans, they really tried to take away that middle of the field. So I, I was just kind of yeah. interested to see whether the Cardinals did that after a while too. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, he's only throwing to this guy, so we might as well take yeah. him away." I feel like they did kind of similar to what the Texans did. Um, obviously, until you just said that, I obviously wasn't really looking for that, but it definitely felt like that. I don't think they uh, Cam even had a second to really think about making passes or plays, and so it was because of that first and second rounds being shut down a lot. So yeah, definitely look into it and see because now I'm actually kind of interested in it. Yeah, but I think we'll get over to the next game. That was Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. 
this game was a little bit different than we first thought when we were talking about on Thursday. Yeah. We thought two and Joe Flacco were going to start and it ended up being uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and <laughs> Sam Darnold in this Definitely. game. And obviously that's a completely different game when you look at it. I would not have picked the Jets if I were. Yeah, this. me either. I actually, we picked the Dolphins. I picked the Dolphins when, I was talk, when we were talking last week about this, but in my weekly picks, I had actually picked the Jets. But then when I heard who was starting for quarterback on either side, I was like, no. <laughs> Honestly, Sam Darnold put up his regular mm-hmm. stats. They're not good. Uh, the thing that was interesting on the Jets offense, though, is Bashard Perriman and Denzel Mims both had eight targets and Jamison Crowder only had five. So at least it looked like Darnold was trying to move the ball down the field instead of just throwing into the slot to Jamison Crowder like he normally does. So that could mean his shoulders feeling a little bit better. But it could be a little bit uh, with the offensive coordinator actually calling the plays too as well. Let's see how that looks going forward. Last note I got on the Jets side is Fadu Kazi, the defensive tackle. He's a stud. Yeah, he is. He had a really good game yesterday. Um, He had a sack in this game. He had a sack in this game again as well. But he's played really well, especially after since they traded uh, Steve McClendon away. Nice seeing the young player like that stand out. Yeah, I agree with you. Especially on a team like the Jets, you know, where they don't have too much – Hope this year. Yeah. To go back to what you said, I actually don't think it was really – I think Sam Darnold is starting to feel better. I just – they kept feeding the ball to Gore, which is kind of how their offense wants to go. But a lot of those – like his two interceptions, and I would probably say like five of his passes were like not very accurate. There was a couple like drops. But for the most part, I felt like he was starting to feel a little better. I feel like his game's a little bit more efficient now. Yeah, I think since Adam Gacy has given up the play mm-hmm. calling – they are expanding the playbook a little bit more and doing some things they wouldn't typically do. And we'll just have to see how that works with Darnold and see how he becomes comfortable in that. Essence. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like they're trying to get a little bit more balanced approach uh, with Gacy. Obviously at play calling, they've always played from behind. Obviously they were doing the exact same thing in this game uh, with how with Fitzpatrick was obviously playing. I mean, he had a really good game at 257 yards uh, and had those two touchdowns. So, I mean, he helped the Dolphins move, which obviously kind of forced Sam Darnold to try to have an opportunity, but he's been unha- not being very healthy over this season. So, for the most part, I can see there being kind of a chemistry issue, but I thought he was starting to look better. Yeah, like you said, uh, Fitzpatrick, he looked really good. I know it is just the Jets, but it makes it kind of hard to go back to two after he plays that I mean, well. if you think about it, Fitzpatrick essentially out through like two and a half, almost three games of Tua's, Tua's role in the last few weeks going into this, just in this one game. Like Tua, he's he's mm-hmm. very much a game manager. You and I are obviously not very high on his playability. Um, I was confused why they even set Fitzpatrick when they did. I guess I get it with the with the depth at quarterback in the draft this year, uh, with obviously the experiment of Murray that went really well with Arizona. A lot of teams obviously will consider it, but I don't see how they go to Tua after Fitzpatrick's game yesterday. He just looked efficient at moving that ball. Definitely looked a lot better. Uh, DeAndre Washington was their leading rusher in this game. So nice to see him do something, but they should get a med and they should get Gaskin back next week. So nobody I'm going after hard in like fantasy or anything like that. <laughs> Devontae Parker had a nice game. He is a very fantasy valuable asset as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting. As soon as Tua comes back in. Yeah, stick us. to the run. Like don't even play much anyone when Tua's in there uh, with that offense. So I agree with you. Parker did have a really good game yesterday and a lot of touches. Uh, obviously received over 100 yards. I felt like he helped fit Fitzpatrick move the chains several times. Their third down conversion was right around 50%, so I felt like he helped extend some of their uh, drives. 
Mm-hmm. And then the last note I had was what I kind of talked to you about earlier. It's just the Dolphins, they kind of rotated their receivers outside of Parker a lot more yesterday. Uh, we saw Matt Collins getting the game a little bit more. We saw Lynn Bowden Jr. getting the game a little bit more. And then Jakeem Grant and Malcolm Perry weren't in the game quite as much as they were in previous weeks. Yeah, like I told you with you, I thought that was interesting. I didn't. We didn't know if it was really uh, that they were just playing against the Jets or trying to get other players reps. Like I have no idea why, but it was definitely interesting. And then next up, we got probably my game of the week, honestly, is the Cleveland Browns and Jacksonville Jaguars. And and the Browns ended up winning 27-25. This game was actually very back and forth, which was kind of a surprise. Everybody thought Jacksonville would just kind of roll over and Cleveland would steamroll them. But uh, Baker had a pretty good game. He had two touchdowns. was pretty efficient overall. Chubb had an awesome game, I believe 144 yards rushing and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry had a really good day. But I think we kind of talked about this on Thursday where Jacksonville was going to be playing with two rookie corners that were either a late-round pick or undrafted free agent. So that doesn't surprise me. It was all just a matter if Jarvis Landry got enough volume. Yeah, we were wondering what wide receiver was going to get all the targets, and I think he pretty much fit the bill for them yesterday. Yeah. If I remember, interestingly enough, all three of their wide receivers that they typically play all played 61% of the snaps. It's kind of uh, that's odd, just but... like I think that's just like an odd and random statistic, if that makes sense. Like it's just coincidence that that happened. I mean, they obviously rely on the run game a lot, mm-hmm. so you can rotate in around like your fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers, you know, just to give your standard wide receivers a break. But still, that's odd. Yeah, typically Landry doesn't play when they go to like two tight end sets and stuff yeah. like that. A lot of times they use uh, Cardell Hodge because he's a better blocking wide mm-hmm. receiver. Yeah, there's a million reasons. On Jacksonville side, we have Mike Glennon, who put he actually played. Yeah, I was well. actually impressed with this play. To be honest with you, it uh, looked a lot better offensively with him at quarterback this week. Mm-hmm. And that's even without DJ Chark and Chris Conley. Yeah. So hats off to him. Uh, I think he definitely earned another start. Unless Gardner Minshew is fully healthy and they really want their old Gardner out there, but. He might have been their best quarterback. So oh, 100% I agree with you. His production was obviously didn't stand off the page, but he was efficient. And I, I thought, like you and I talked about this before the, the game started yesterday. I was like, if Mike Glennon starts, it's going to be interesting to see if that offense can actually move. I think he's a lot more efficient. At one point, people were even considering him a starter. So he did a really good game yesterday. <clears throat> but Robinson obviously had 20 touches, so he obviously helped shoulder that load. And we, we were wondering if he was going to get 20, uh, 20 touches or more this week. Yeah, and interesting enough is in this game is Jacksonville only had two running backs active, uh, James Robinson and Divino Zigbo. And Robinson played on 97% of snaps, so pretty much all but two snaps. He definitely and used. So he was a, work, he was a workhorse yesterday. Yeah, 128 yards in the uh, touchdown, we'll to, so you got to give it to him. Yeah, well, let's see how he does in the coming weeks. He, he faces a lot better defenses coming up. I believe the Bears and the Colts are in that mix as well. Uh, so we'll have to see how he does. He's been feasting on all these bad defenses, though. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, to see if he stands out against tougher defenses. Bears' defense is not a pushover by any means. Uh, obviously, yesterday's game is not a testament to, to their actual capabilities, but that will be the game that I'm actually excited to see for Jacksonville coming up is against them, them and the Bears. Yep. And then last but not least on Jacksonville's side, I got Colin Johnson. He's a rookie wide receiver out of Texas. He's real tall, real it kind of looks awkward if you look at him for wide receiver because he's like six 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 seven, but he's kind of built like a toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> he had, I believe, four receptions and a touchdown in this game. He's a guy that's definitely got a lot of upside. I believe he was hurt quite a bit at Texas, though. His dad actually played in the NFL as well, Johnny Johnson. He stepped up nicely with Chark and Conley out, so 
Let's see if they give him more opportunity going forward. Yeah. If yesterday was an audition, which obviously in the NFL you don't have to do, but if yesterday was an audition, it will be definitely interesting to see if he gets more throws as well. Yeah. Anything else you got left? In no, this game? game was just a surprising one. Like we thought the Browns were going to win by like a score or two, but it ended up being a really good game. That's about it. Now we'll get into the most interesting game of the week. And that's the New Orleans Saints and Denver Broncos. The Broncos ended up losing uh, 31 to three. Feel bad for the Broncos because this was just an ugly game. I think they ended up with 110 yards of total offense. I was telling you that they had 112 total yards of offense. 112 total yards of offense. Cool. Yep. That was close. Yep. I was off by two yards. Honestly, if you guys haven't heard already, Denver played with uh, zero quarterbacks in this game, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You have to give it, you they have to take it off to, to Kendall Henson, though. I mean, it's just a testament to, to show how hard it is to just step in and play as a quarterback in the NFL. For sure. And honestly, he came in and he's a practice squad rider here for them out of Wake Forest. He did play a little bit of quarterback at Wake Forest, but honestly, he wasn't that good in college. That's why he switched to wide receiver. Coming in 24 hours into a game, being thrown into a situation, and they're pretty much just throwing you in saying, hey, well, we're going to run like four plays and try to make something happen out of it. He was one out of nine. He did complete a pass at least. So Yeah, and he, he was okay at rushing. I think he had seven yards rushing. But essentially, like, think about the cramming that he had to do for 24 hours in that brain of his. And on top of that, who was their backup quarterback if he couldn't go anyway? Like, uh, Royce Freeman. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, the Broncos essentially had no offense coming in today. They were kind of set up to fail from the get-go. So, I mean, if you look at, like, how Taysom Hill played yesterday and look at – if you just look at stat lines, he didn't even stand up above that much besides running more pass plays than uh, Kendall Henston ran. Honestly, Taysom Hill didn't play that good. Like, if you take away the yeah. two rushing touchdowns, he had a terrible game. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, essentially, he was 9 for 16. Hendon was uh, 1 for 9. He had 78 yards. Hendon had 13. He had one interception. He had two interceptions. Rushing, uh, he only rushed for two. Uh, Taysom Hill ran for 10. And two of those were within two yards, which obviously, like you said, gave him those two touchdowns. So, I mean, his quarterback play wasn't even there against that that Broncos defense, which is one thing that you had kind of called out. You were going to wonder how his stats were going to pop off the page uh, against that that defense. Yeah. Honestly, were- if you if you look at the beginning of the game, the Broncos defense came out firing. They were playing good. They were yeah. playing with heart, but it, then they just got wore down as they were on the field most of the game. Yeah, and like obviously Murray had a really good game yesterday. He had 19 touches for 124 yards. He had two rushing touchdowns. He awesome. He looked amazing. But now I feel bad for those fantasy players that obviously took. Uh, you know, Kamara in the first round, like he only had 54 yards rushing and he only had one reception for minus, literally negative two yards. So this offense is definitely different without Drew Brees in it. But the offense, they just, the only reason they were on the field the entire time was because essentially the Broncos lack of uh, position at quarterback this week. I wonder what this game would look like if Drew Locke played. Yeah, like honestly, I even feel bad even reviewing this game because essentially imagine going in with literally no team. Like it, it, they had a team and they had a lot of position players, but one of the most pivotal chess pieces in this offense obviously wasn't even there. When you have no one that knows the offense leading the offense, yeah. like what assessment can you even prove for this game? Did you watch any, did you watch any of this game at all? I watched a couple of the highlights during, during the game. I was at the bowling alley yesterday and was watching some of the games. And at this one in particular, I only really got to watch like maybe a few series, but it just looked weird. Uh, like, they weren't very consistent. So Hinton, he played 56% of the snaps, so he was a quarterback that much of the time. And then the rest of it was just like read option. 
They were they had Royce Freeman at quarterback and Philip Lindsay at quarterback, just doing zone read with them and Melvin Ingram pretty much. So like the defense knew it was coming pretty much the whole freaking day. Yeah, when you have again, it's kind of like what we've talked about with Cam in the past. When you have no no pass offense, the defense is just kind of knowing what's going on. In the Saints' defense, like I said, going into this week, they were the last three weeks have held their teams to fourteen point four points per game, and so they they're not a pushover by any means. So this team came down to literally the play, essentially the Saints not losing it, but they were already handed this game go again. Mm-hmm. Denver's defense would have had to make like a like they would have had to play out of their minds to win this game essentially. You had to have and, multiple pick six. Special teams would have had to at least have one return or at least maybe a pump block something. You know they were missing their uh, return man too as well. Yeah, Denver was Deontay Spencer. So they had Bryce Callahan returning punts. Yep. Honestly, Hinton only had the two picks, but he should have been picked off two more times that got dropped. Well, one of them was dropped, and then the other one. Lattimore went up and got, and then Jerry Judy kind of knocked it out of his arms at the last second. Yep, played cornerback as a wide receiver. That happens in the back play. <laughs> Next up, we got San Francisco and Los Angeles. This was actually ended up being a pretty close game. The 49ers won 23-20. The Rams honestly played about as bad as they could play most of the game until the very end. Yeah, I think the 49ers, to be honest with you, kind of have the number on the Rams this year. Uh, they obviously had a lot of players on their defense back. The 49ers defense looked completely different. Obviously, I need to personally apologize to the 49ers offense. I didn't think they were going to have any efficiency with Mullins. He didn't look too bad yesterday, but obviously they fed the run game with the defensive playing as well as they were. It allowed them to stay in this game and ultimately win it. Yeah, and they get Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson both returned to the lineup. Ironically, both of them ran for 43 yards apiece. Yeah. They were okay on offense. They just weren't bad. Uh, Debo Samuel had a great game. Yeah. I didn't really watch this game, so I don't know if Jalen Ramsey was covering him, but I assume so. If Jalen Ramsey covered him and he had a like eleven for I think one thirty three, it was. That hats off to Debo. The future's bright, buddy. If you can ever stay healthy. Yeah, the de- the Rams for the defense did actually play that really like poorly yesterday. To be honest with you, it's just the 49ers offense was efficient, and obviously Jared Goff had an interesting day. But I think like the run game, like you said, with Wilson and, and Mozart, like they. They had 28 eight carries. I feel like the offense was a lot more balanced. They were decent on third down percentages, so it allowed the game to be close. Yep. If you're one of them people that want to brag about Cam Akers, go ahead and do it, I guess. He had a one long run and he got a touchdown, but he's still not good at football. I feel like he took a good of a situation. And obviously plays will happen eventually, but it's the percentage of uh, them being productive, if that makes sense. Hey, he get- he can break off a long run when it's given to him, but otherwise he tries to run in a hole and he looks like Trent Richardson with his vision. That's true, actually. If he hits the right hole, he can actually explode through it pretty decently. It's a matter of hitting the right hole. He's got good burst once he gets going, but if he ever finds the holes, the problem. But next up, we'll talk about Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Chiefs ended up winning 27-24. Honestly, for most of the game, this game was not close. It wasn't. Kansas City was blowing them out, blow the lid off to start the game. Tampa Bay scored, you know, like 14 garbage points in the fourth quarter. Tyreek Hill had an amazing game. Pretty sure it was the fantasy numbers record. Did he beat out Jerry Rice in this game? Did they say? No, he did. Was it close? It's number number two. That's what it is. I thought it was. I knew that they had had a discussion going into the third about it. I obviously didn't get to see the ending of this game. He ended up with 13, 269, and three touchdowns. 
Patrick Mahomes was like 462 yards passing in this game. So Kelsey had a good game too, for what it's worth. And well, he was eight for 82, caught all of his targets. He was 0 for 1 passing though. <laughs> and there was almost no support from the run game either. I think all of them had less than 30 yards rushing as well. Honestly, the running game is the reason this game was close because I think they tried to run the ball later on in the game, and they weren't effective at that. But, I mean, that's kind of how you have to play Tampa Bay's defense is you get a little one-dimensional if you can make it work. Yep. Because you have to throw the ball on them because they're so good against the run. Yeah. In my opinion, I think this is one of the games that kind of was fun to watch because, like you said, the Chiefs came out swinging and then they started running and the defense for uh, Tampa Bay kind of stepped up, which allowed those garbage points at the end of the game to make it look like it was close. Like, it was like a, a standard Tom Brady game where they come out, you know, just trying to control the game, and then they use the second half to kind of press the gas pedal and catch up and then steal the game towards the end. I mean, he's made two decades of his career doing that. So I thought I thought the Bucks looked about a lot better in the second half. I have down for Tampa Bay. I have Brady and Mike Evans. They both had garbage time points. Evans got the two touchdowns. Not going to complain about that because that made me some money. So <laughs> And Gronk had an okay game. He had over 100 yards receiving as well. Uh, Ronald Jones did. Gronk was great. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he he helped shoulder that load. Um, Ron Jones had a pretty decent day as well, which is some guy that I thought uh, we had to pay attention on this game. Um, obviously, had the touchdown reception. Um, Man, they just didn't feed him. Yeah. I wish they would have. He only had nine touches. So, I mean, I, I thought they were going to lean on that run game a lot more, but obviously they, they chose not to. I thought that that would be the way to beat the Chiefs defense or at least help keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. If he doesn't have time to make plays, then obviously they can't win. So, Well, in the words of Bruce Arians, no risk it, no risk it. Mm-hmm. Not too much else in this game. I thought Kansas City would be able to get a little bit more pressure on Tom Brady. They didn't really quite do that as much. Yeah. So that's probably the reason Tampa Bay kind of hung around in this game because if Tom Brady under pressure is uh, not a good Tom Brady. Yeah, and I think they did an okay job getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes as well. Like, I thought that this might come down to Tampa Bay's defense uh, when we were doing the assessments earlier in the week. But, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I feel like they got they should have done a better job getting towards Brady, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I think, honestly, they missed Jamel Dean in this game. He was out with a concussion, so – in my honest opinion, if if I was them, he was probably going to be covering Travis Kelsey. That might have limited him a little bit more. Obviously, it still wouldn't help with the Tyreek Hill problem, but that's another story. Yeah, right? And he just has so – they both have so many weapons on both sides of the ball. Like, I thought that this was going to be a close game, but like you said, it just wasn't. Like, the score is obviously a little bit of an illusion about how the game actually went. But it was good mm-hmm. to see the defenses kind of just hold the, both of these good quarterbacks in check a little bit. Yep. Kind of funny in this game is the clown didn't do anything. Yeah, he didn't. He was kind of shut down. I think, yeah, what, two catches for 11 yards or something like that? Yeah, he's usually like, kind of like the wild card in that offense, Tony Brown, whatever he wants to do. Like, Honestly, Tom Brady likes to target him. He can be really productive, but he didn't see a lot of targets yesterday. I, I think they're better off without him on, like, playing. <laughs> I actually agree with you. They have enough weapons as it is. I think Evans' touches has kind of went down a little bit since Antonio Bounds kind of signed down, so – Evans has had nine, nine, and eleven targets the last three games, so he's still. No, I know, but he was getting a lot more targets like last season, or even the seasons like he was with Fitzpatrick. Even like he's normally a he's like a Mike Thomas to an offense. He's someone that you can look at to make those plays, and he usually sees a lot more targets, like Keenan Allen level of targets. I I just think they're better off with running Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson than Antonio Brown at this point in time. Because I know everybody's gonna hate on me for saying this, probably, but like. He's not the Antonio Brown he was with the Steelers. He, lo- he looks like a guy that's lost a lot of juice. Yeah, like he was really good at route running when he was in his prime. 
He's got very good hands. He had great yards after the catch. And so, like, he's a name at this point, if that makes sense. I feel like his life has become a lot of off-the-field issues, and unfortunately, that distraction has definitely hindered his production. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't actually realize is he's had off-the-field issues since he's been 18 years old. Yep. I mean, the kid got kicked out of Florida International before school even started. And then that's how he ended up at Central Michigan is because just the wide receivers coach had pretty much reached out to him, said, hey, we've seen you before. We can have you walk on here, here in a scholarship there. But he's a guy, even in college, he was late to meetings all the time and everything. Yeah, he works hard on the field. He works hard in the gym. But as an actual person, uh, he's about as shitty as it goes. I agree with you. And I think that his production has offset your ability to just tolerate that unfortunately. But I mean, that that's an attestment to the Steelers franchise by themselves, being able to kind of just keep that stuff low for as long as they did and just ride out that wave. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if uh, you or most of the people listening to this have heard the story from Ryan Clark on ESPN about Antonio Brown. They said as soon as he got that contract extension, he thought he was like gold, like nobody should touch him. Nobody can do anything. Nobody can look at him funny. Like it took what was already bad and made it worse in a way. But the funny part about that story is the Steelers actually offered Mike Wallace a contract extension first. He didn't take it. And then they offered Antonio Brown second. It's like, you weren't even our first choice. Like, and you're going to act like that? Yeah, I didn't even know that. But honestly, the way his character is in the last several years, of even when he went to the Patriots and obviously how that ended, like, I can see that. I can see his attitude being a definite factor in, in how teams tell, obviously work with him. And Bruce Arians is really mm-hmm. good about not really tolerating that type of uh, attitude. So as long as he's producing and, and Arians can keep him in check, I think he'll unfortunately stay in Tampa Bay for a while. Yeah, hey, I mean, he's only, he's only a one-year deal anyways, yeah. but I, I don't think he's going to be in football next year, especially after all this, all these court cases get yeah. worked out. I think uh, Bruce Arians said yeah. on the – I think on the rape charges case, if it does come out to be true, he would immediately be cut from uh, the Buccaneers. He's just going on Antonio Brown's word at this point. And so I know that he's week to week based off of that that court case alone. So mm-hmm. that could definitely be something that changes this offense. If Like if he's guilty in that case, the NFL is going to yep. suspend him once again. Yep. Like literally he's down to a week to week depending on that case essentially. And the female in that case has signed a sworn affidavit that he did indeed rape her. So. Yep. She can uh, seek punishment if it's found to not be accurate, you know. But obviously that, that that's going to be left for the courts, and we'll figure out and obviously talk about it as time progresses in the future. Yep. Here's a little tangent for the episode. <laughs> we always have one a week. <laughs> yep. uh, then we'll get to the last game of the week. This was your game. I know this made you a little bit happy. So we got the Packers and the Bears. The Packers end up winning forty-one <laughs> to twenty-five. And that twenty, this game was not even close um, compared to score. Like those, they had some garbage time points. So definitely had garbage time points, and it hurt me in one of my fantasy football leagues because now I'm tied, and we both have about two players left. And of course, he had to have Allen Robinson and Montgomery, who both scored late touchdowns. Yep. But it is what it is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was pretty much Aaron Rodgers once again. Uh, Packers offense was pretty good overall. Uh, Robert Tanyan, if you guys play PPR for scoring fantasy football, he was the tight end number one so far this week. No hit or miss. <laughs> I kind of called him having a good week in this game, but he's just a guy. He's real dependent on the other team. And honestly, he's a good choice. If there's a team that they're going against that has a trouble with a tight end, Aaron Rodgers 
targets Lewis and him the most, especially in the red zones, or, or he usually goes after Tanyan when it's a necessity for a big play. So if they're susceptible to tight ends doing really well against their defense, Tanyan's always a good one to choose. Did you see his touchdown last I did. Night? Did you listen to the announcers afterwards? Though? No, I'm going to be honest. I, I've owned, Obviously, the listeners don't know this, but you know this. I usually try to listen to the radio broadcast of it, regardless of who's on it. It's just like a habit, unfortunately, because of yeah. uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck obviously doing a lot of the Packers games in the past. I've just grown to accustomed to preferring that listening platform, but um, I did not. But what did they say? I think it was Mike Jericho and Tony Dungy. So it was actually good announcers for most, for the most part. Mm-hmm. He made like a double move. He got past another guy. And then they're like, he got away from uh, Eddie Jackson. I'm like, no, Eddie Jackson was playing safety on the other side of the field and came back to chase him down, which he wasn't even supposed to be doing in the first place. <laughs> it's not his fault that Tanya scored. Yeah, that Bears defense can be really good. I just think that this offense is way too potent for the Bears to even have a chance, to be honest with you. Yeah, and definitely missing Akeem Hicks was a big deal. Too. Yeah, the fact that Hicks was uh, obviously not in the middle, it opened up the game for Williams and obviously Aaron Jones to kind of do what they do. Like, they lean on Jones a lot in the third quarter. He had 17, you know, rushing attempts for 90 yards. Um, Williams broke one. That's why he got the touchdown. I think it was for, like, 20-some-odd yards. But he had 73 yards himself. So I felt like they leaned on, mm-hmm. uh, on Aaron Rodgers' uh, arm a lot in this game. But they were out in the lead from the get-go. And they went through a lot of uh, fourth and ones and fourth and twos, just honestly for time mm-hmm. of possession purposes. But I thought the offense looked really good. The problem with this game specifically was just Trubisky. I mean, he had two interceptions, three fumbles. He lost one of them. He ended up falling on the other two. I believe one was almost a partial exchange with him and the running back. I thought mm-hmm. the Bears did what they needed to do to help move the ball. Obviously, I think that they should have fed Robinson a lot, but once they got behind, it was just what it was. He was looking really good. He had eight touches, 74 yards, and two touchdowns. He was pretty decent efficiently for the offense, but when Trubisky essentially is handing over the game, it's and again, especially against the Packers, it's just not even okay. It's just not fair. There's just no way to win a game doing that. Trubisky play like Trubisky, honestly. Yeah. He's a one-read quarterback, or he or he hyper-targets Allen Robinson. So either throws the ball to only Allen Robinson or only his first read. Yep. There was probably two or three throws in this game where he actually went through his progression and found the secondary option. Both, both of those interceptions he threw were just re- reiterating what you were saying. Like, they were forced into double and triple coverage, and they were targeting Robinson. That double coverage deep shot was uh, to Mooney, though. Oh, sorry, my bad. The one in the end zone. I think the other one was Robinson. No, I I knew the first Uh, one for sure was. Played a little bit better in the garbage time, but it's kind of hard to tell at that point in time, you know. For sure. Rodgers did really good at, like, dispersing Uh, the ball, too, yesterday. Like, just making sure that he hit all of his tight ends, running backs. Like, he took a lot of deep shots at random, which I thought was really good. So it was really good seeing that offense kind of move efficiently as opposed to how they were doing with all those turnovers against the Colts the previous week. Yeah, they they only really hit on that deep shot to Tanyan, though, I think, right? Well, yeah, I think there was a lot of, like, yards after catch. Devontae Adams obviously had his touches. I think uh, he was 6 for 61. His touchdown would look pretty decent, but a lot of his plays were 10 to 15 yards, those those mid, mid-range mid shots. He had the one, like you said, the one big one, but I think there was an MVS one on the sideline, I think, late in the third. Uh, ended up overthrowing him a little bit, but I don't I don't remember if it was flagged or not, but it was, like, 10 yards overthrown to him. And honestly, David Montgomery, he looked decent in this game, but it's hard to tell if it was actually him or it was the Packers' defense. Yeah, the Packers' defense is – He had one long run, though. Yeah, he did. He, I don't understand why they didn't just keep feeding him, to be honest with you. 
they got behind and then they're just like, well, can't do this no more. I, I don't know, honestly. Like their first drive, he had the that was his long run that he had. And I was like, yep, there it mm-hmm. is. Like we have a really good pass rush. Obviously, uh, Preston Smith kind of stepped up in this game finally, which is someone that I thought that needed to step up. Zaria Smith did what he normally does, obviously pressuring. They just they were rushing three with uh, those two and Gary. They did a really good job. The problem is is that they're so diehard on getting to the quarterback that they forget that there's a running back there, and those running backs bust for anywhere between seven to seven plus yards, you know, every single time. And we're obviously playing the nickel. We drop those linebackers back. If they're not rushing, we drop them back. And so it, it creates a space of anywhere between like 10 to 15 yards available for a running back to just you know, like a small halfback draw, you know. So those linebackers, when they're rushing, they need to start paying attention to that. That's really their issue with the run game. When they got down close to the goal line, though, Smith made a real good play where he didn't break his containment. Well, actually, both of Smiths did. But they were on two different guys. Preston made a real good play when Trubisky kept it on the yep. zone read. And mm-hmm. – he didn't bust yeah, he didn't down. maintain his gap. He didn't bite. Like he that he, he literally did what he was supposed to do in that play. I think he did a really good job this week because I've been giving him a hard time the last few weeks. Yeah, he played he played better. Uh, they they played pretty good contained defense. Nobody like blew their assignments completely, uh, except Kirksey the one time. He had a terrible pass interference call too, where he didn't even try to make a play on the ball. He just like took the guy's arm away, wrapped his arm yeah. around him. I think that the Packers defense is going to need to step up, especially going into like the last push for the playoffs here. Obviously, I think they're going to make the playoffs just because of how the schedule lines up. A game that I'm really intrigued by is against Tennessee. I think Derrick Henry is either going to feast in this game, and if he doesn't, then that means we're going to be pretty decent in the playoffs. But if they don't start learning to, to stop the run against these really like subpar teams or teams that are under 500, they're not going to go far into the playoffs. They're going to need to learn to fix this problem. And then last note I had on the Bears side, too, is once again, Cole Komet was uh, getting a lot more snaps than Jimmy Graham for the second straight week. So looks like they're going over to the little bit of the youth movement. Yeah, there. and Jimmy had a few, like, small passes yesterday that got for, for an extra couple yards uh, after the catch. So it, I agree with you. He was definitely limited in his role. Like, so you could tell how that offense was, was moving yesterday. But it's good to see if they're just trying to pass the torch there. Granted, it's yeah. Jimmy's first year there, but still. He's a good tight end to learn from. Yeah, they gave him he gave him too much money, anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. He's been as, he's been getting overpaid since he went to Seattle. As long as they don't uh, have Jimmy Graham teach him how to block. Yeah, I can agree with you on that because <laughs> he was really pissed for the game. That doesn't exist. Like we used him a lot in Green Bay in the past game, and he was rather efficient. He was pretty decent for us. Like had more production at tight end than we had had in several years prior to him signing with us, but. The reason that they didn't re-sign him, honestly, is because of his is, is how he blocks, and that's why Mercedes Lewis ended up getting the extended contract for them. We like having pass pass blocking tight ends. That's pretty much it for the recaps. Man, if you want to talk about game of the weeks, we can do that real quick. Sure. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit going through each game. Yeah, well, go ahead with yours if you'd like to, like one or two games that you thought was a good one. Uh, like I said earlier, mine was the Browns and the Jaguars. It's just a back and forth game. It's one that not too many people expected being it that way, but both quarterbacks, they played pretty solid. Both running backs had good games. Defenses didn't play great, but it was back and forth, definitely. Mm-hmm. For me, I kind of have a tie between the Panthers and the Vikings game just because of the exact same reason. I thought it was back and forth. Teddy Bridgewater's play obviously was subpar. I was anticipating him to have better play. It was definitely a close lane like I thought it was going to be. I just 
I don't like the reason why it was a close game. And then obviously that 49ers Rams game, I've been talking pretty high about that Rams defense for, for several weeks. I obviously picked them last week when they were obviously not the favorite to win because of that defense. I felt like they held their own and held the 49ers to 23 yards. And the fact that I can say that I'm sorry, 23 points, but the fact that I said that they held the 49ers to 23, uh, 23 points is, is my little issue with this, their game this week, but that was definitely a game to watch as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of good ones this week. Definitely a lot of games that turned out a little bit different than we expected. For sure. Specifically the Atlanta game. That was really weird for us. I think the giants Bengals game too was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the giants Bengals game and then that Cleveland-Jacksonville game, we didn't think both those games would be close. That's correct. We didn't, we didn't anticipate much from them. Uh, tennis. Tennessee and the Colts, like the Titans and the Colts, we thought would be a close game and then pretty much turned into a blowout. For sure. The Cardinals-Patriots game, you mm-hmm. obviously picked the Patriots to win on that one. I thought the Cardinals were going to blow them out. And then I thought the Saints and the Broncos game would have been close, but we'll put an asterisk on Yeah, that, that one, one honestly is, is not even fair to even discuss or have a conversation about. But I feel like if you had a real quarterback in that game, that game would have been. Yeah, close. I feel like the Saints offense obviously would have probably not as been productive because, the, like you said, the Broncos defense came out swinging almost. Like they were ready to play. They came out those first two, the first two drives, Taysom Hill and the offense couldn't do yeah, anything. They showed up to play. They knew they were going to have to step up and they kind of fit the bill. Yeah, I think they had three sacks all day, but two of them were on the first two drives. <laughs> They're going to just maintain that. I feel like this game would have been uh, interesting with a quarterback. Even, like, put Drew Locke in there or even, like, Blake Bortles. You know what I'm saying? Like, any quarterback that's got any experience that's not on a 24-hour time crunch to learn an NFL offense. Even Rippin. Yeah, Rippin. Like, and obviously an ex-Boise State guy, I, I kind of have a, a small bias for him. But in the NFL, I just don't see him getting there just yet. But even then, he would have done better. You know what I'm saying? Like, any quarterback production at that in this game would have made it a, a different game. For sure. Definitely would have been a good one to yeah, watch. Yeah, for sure. Even Like I said, even with Brett Rippin, it would have been a good one. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining us once again. This was the recap episode for Week 12. We'll be doing the preview episode for the Thursday night football game. We'll be doing that on Wednesday. should be out on Thursday morning once again. And then we'll be recording the other remaining matchups for this week on Thursday. And that episode should be out on Friday again once, as well, once again as well. Uh, But once again, thank you guys for joining us. Once again, this was the Two Point Podcast with Nate and Craig. And hopefully you guys all had a great Thanksgiving and stayed safe doing so. Stay safe, guys. We appreciate it.